Praise the Lord. Come on in. Praise the Lord. Come on in. We are here to really get into a subject about backsliders. But as you see, I'm titling The Romantic and the Cynic. The Romantic and the Cynic. We hope that you're able to hear. We hope that everything is hooked up well. All right. Once again, this is Pastor Ray Curry, and welcome to The Unction, where we try to give the Word of God in a way that you can let it correspond with the Spirit of God so that there is balance in your spirituality. And uh, we're going to talk about balance in our spirituality tonight by talking about the romantic and the cynic. The error, listen to this, for those of you who will be looking tonight and those who will be there Later, Daughter of the King, it's good to see you. Uh, this is very random. I tried to teach this on uh, Wednesday night at my church office. Uh, I have it up on Facebook, but I had someone teaching, and and they were in the next room, bless their hearts, and I, I was like, oh, my goodness, I can't get my thoughts together. But tonight, I want to convey something here on the unction that I want people to think about all over the church world. Once again, like, share, subscribe. Good uh, evening, good evening, everyone. I see you coming in. I'm not going to hold long. This is a Friday night. I wasn't even expecting anyone to necessarily be on it, but I'm glad you're here. Praise the Lord. The error of the new saint is romanticism. The error of the backslider is cynicism. I'm going to say that again. The error of the new saint is romanticism, and the error of the backslider is cynicism. And I'll tell you what I mean by that. When you first get saved, you may not realize it, but you're romantic sometimes. Good evening, everyone. I'm so happy to see you. When you first get saved, you're romantic. What is romanticism in, in literature? It is where the emphasis on subjectivity, the emphasis is on your personal experience, the emphasis is on your inspired feeling. That's what happens when people first get saved. All I know is I was blind and now I see. All I know is I was down and the Lord lifted me up. All I know is I was lost and now I'm found. And when you're in a state of romanticism, I'm going to get into the book of Ecclesiastes. Hey, my friend, God bless you, Miss T-Mac. When you first get saved, you're in a state of romance. And we're going to get into Ecclesiastes, and I'm going to show you the scripture. And when you're in that state, nothing can be said to you. You don't realize what's going on around you. In fact, there's a saying in the romantic field, love is blind. Can't nobody tell you about your church. You can't see it yet. Can't nobody tell you about your pastor. You can't see it yet. No one can let you know that anything's missing from the doctrine. You can't see it yet. Love is blind. Let's go to the book of Ecclesiastes. I'm, I'm going to show you that when you first get saved, you're romantic. But when you backslide, you become a cynic. And I'm going to show you the genius of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 1, verse 1 and 2. The words of the preacher, the son of David, king in Jerusalem, Vanity of vanities, saith the preacher, vanity of vanities, all is vanity. 
See, the genius of Ecclesiastes is Solomon was playing chess while people are playing checkers. Because there's a revelation to the word vanity. I'm going to show it to you at the end of this for those of you who didn't see it earlier. There is a revelation to the word vanity. All right? And you can read Ecclesiastes and hear the mindset of the backslider even though he was under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. That's the genius of the book of Ecclesiastes. All right, but because if you look at the wisdom books, the poetic books, Songs of Solomon, Proverbs, Ecclesiastes, these books are written of the three stages of your development, whether you realize it or not. Psalms of Solomon is fire and heat and passion and zeal. That's what Psalms of Solomon is. That's the honeymoon time. Proverbs is when you become balanced. And you know this channel is all about balance. Proverbs is when you become balanced. You see the benefits of good. You see the downfall of evil. But when you get to the book of Ecclesiastes, I'm glad to see you, uh, Latoya. God bless you. Uh, and, and once again, my main lives are usually Mondays at 7 Eastern time. But I, I, I'm going to get back to it. So I want you all to be able to catch my Monday lives. But here's the thing. Uh, Psalms of Solomon, passion and fire. Proverbs, more of a balance. Ecclesiastes is when you start to get cynical because something has been lost in translation. So he said, vanity of vanities, and I'm going to show you the revelation of it at the end of this. But what people have to realize about Ecclesiastes is it's talking about things which are done under the sun. I'm going to show that to you. It's talking about things that are done under the sun. Other words, the earthly realm. One mistake that people do when it comes to the book of Ecclesiastes is when Ecclesiastes start to address some eternal issues, we try to make a doctrine out of statements that deal with the earthly realm, the things that are done under the sun. Let's go to the book of Ecclesiastes. But I want to show you that he's dealing with the earthly realm. The scriptures say to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. All right, so look at this, look at this. Is Ecclesiastes 1, 14 and 15. I have seen all the works that are done where? Under the sun. And behold, all is vanity and vexation of spirit. That which is crooked cannot be made straight. Come on here, cynical people. Come on, people who've been in church forever and said these people ain't right. They hypocrites. They ain't get delivered. All right, let's keep reading. That which is crooked cannot be made straight. And that which is wanting cannot be numbered. All right, so you see the cynical mindset that's developing. Once again, he wrote this under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. But the genius of it is you can read it with a backslidden mind. If you read it with a backslidden mind, you'll say, oh, the crooked stuff can't be made straight. Whatever's lacking can't be numbered. And that's when you get in a state that these people can't change. These people can't do no better. I know what these church folk like. Like you said, Empress Wu, it sounds like bitterness. 
these church people, they, they wicked just like the sinners are. They doing what the people in the street doing. That's because you become cynical. Your mind has gotten in a backslidden state. But now let's read this with the mind of Christ. That which is crooked cannot be made straight. That which is wanting cannot be numbered. If you was reading it with the mind of Christ, you see what he's really trying to tell you is that right is right. And wrong, which is the thing this is, that is crooked, wrong can't be made right. Things that are wrong can't be made straight. Things that lack can't be numbered. You can't count that up. In other words, you can't call wrong right and right wrong. If it's wrong, it's plain wrong, and that's the way it is. And no matter how much you walk down the path of wrong, you can't straighten that out. But unfortunately, when you read it through the backslidden mind, you can't see what it's really trying to convey. All right? I'm, once again, I'm going to give you the, the real meaning of vanity at the end. It's going to trip you out. I'm not going to be here long. Just stay with me. Stay with me a little while. Okay? This is the cynical mind that the backslider develops. You know what? I look at a, especially a lot of young men who backslide and go in the wrong direction. They become cynical about uh, church. I mean, young ladies too. But you see them, especially when they married and want to act crazy. Oh, y'all was at service. Y'all was singing, huh? Oh, you was shouting. What you shouting about? Oh, y'all. Oh, you you got a word. You got a word for me. You become cynical. And isn't it funny when people backslide? All of a sudden, they think they wise. Backslidden people are really impressed with themselves. If you listen to backslidden people, uh, I don't have church brain, honey. I don't have church. Y'all church folk this. Y'all, that's why I left. That's why I don't have time. I'd rather live my life. You become cynical. You think you're wise for being in the mud. The devil have you out here crazy. You think you become more wise because you're not around the church folk. But the sad thing is you ain't the church folk, but you still don't have no money. You ain't the church folk, but your kids still don't like you. You ain't the church folk, but you still don't understand relationships and morality. You ain't the church folk, but you still don't have no peace in your life. Ain't it funny that when you leave the church, all of a sudden you're smarter than all the church folk. That's how the devil have you. You will have a cynical mindset instead of a balanced mindset. All right? I want to go more into the cynicism. Look at here. Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 15. Listen to what it says. Then I said in my heart, as it happeneth to the fool, so it happeneth even to me. And why was I then more wise? Why did I even get any wisdom? Then I said in my heart that this also is vanity. See, when you turn your back on God, you lose sight of understanding how good it is to be hooked up to the wisdom of God. Jesus Christ is the wisdom of God. The Bible says in Proverbs, by wisdom, God created the worlds. He said, by me, God called forth the mountains and the seas. Wisdom. But here, Solomon was saying, what happens to me? The same thing that happened to the fool. 
What happened to the rich man? The same thing that happened to the poor man. He said, if I amass all of these riches and I build and I use wisdom for my life, he said, who's to say I don't leave all this stuff to a fool? So he said, all of this is vanity. But this is the same man who wrote in the book of Proverbs to take the statues and wisdom of God and bound it around your neck like a golden chain and how it will give you life and it will preserve you and that wisdom will promote you. But here he's saying, what was the point? And I hear the backslider. What's the point of all of them songs what's the point of all of that praying what's the point of all of that crying what's the point of all of that worship y'all always at church y'all always you see here's the thing the backslider forgot that being hooked up to the wisdom of god ain't because we're doing it arbitrarily it has a purpose see when i was a baby christian i romanticized church I thought everybody was in that cause. I, I want to go to the cynicism, but I want to talk about the romanticism. It was my first era because I'm talking to myself. I've had to pray, Lord, get the cynical mind out of me so I can experience you again. Get that cynical mindset out of me so I can worship again. Get that cynical mindset out of me so that I can get before your presence and break through the veil the way I used to before I knew any better. Come on in here. When you first get saved, you have the first era of romanticism. You thought that everybody in that building was really there to serve the Lord. Oh, what a fool we were. When you were so you were so romantic, you just knew them people wasn't gossiping about you. Oh no, they're full of the Holy Ghost. Holy Ghost feel people don't gossip. Holy Ghost feel people don't backbite. You're so romantic. Oh, my pastor preached the truth, honey. I know my pastor preaching the truth. I know my first lady know the Lord. Oh, honey, we had a worship service today. When you first get saved, you are so romantic. And then the saints that have been there for years and years and years looking at you like, baby, I can't wait till you find out. And you, and, and you get so romantic that when, when you first get saved, <laughs> when you first get saved and you first get to the church, you so romantic that somebody pulls you in the corner to talk about so-and-so over there who don't help no more. You're so romantic that somebody, oh, you, you, you don't hang with so-and-so then because they'll pull you down, sister. And you're so romantic, you believe it. You believe that those people over there will pull you down. And you say, ah, oh, uh, pastor say, I can't be around you because I want to stay on fire for God. They say you'll pull me down. But you didn't realize that pastor and, and mama and, and lady just wanted you to be an on fire servant. They just want you to be a servant. <laughs> they weren't there to really help you. So once again, saints of God, these these are the things, these are the, the 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 romanticism. I'm getting calls and stuff like that. This is the romanticism that happens when you first get saved. And because of the romanticism, you end up at cynicism. After the Lord proved to you that those human beings are really human beings, after the Lord proved to you that they just regular people like you are, what happens is your heart get broke. Because you, you let down your guard. You let down your defense. You let these people in. You told some of them your, your deepest thoughts. You thought you had a prayer partner and didn't know they was gossiping and talking about you. 
you thought you had a Holy Ghost filled deacon as a friend and found out he was dating the brother over there on the pew. You found out what was going on and it hurt you and it broke your heart. And because it broke your heart, now you become cynical. Now you become cynical. Uh-huh, y'all shouting again. Well, praise God. Look at our phony self. Look at his phony self. I wish he'd sit down. He was in my DM. I wish that preacher shut up. He was over here trying to talk to my son. I wish that boy shut up. Then you become cynical. Now everybody in the church is a joke. You ain't no better than me. You just like uh, what happened to the wise, same thing happened to the fool, honey. I'm a man just like you a man. I'm a woman just like you a woman. You like what I like. You get cynical now. That's when you're in a dangerous spot and nobody can help you. I'm going to show you. I'm going to show you the revelation of vanity at the end of this. You're cynical now. Now everybody's a joke. Now everybody is play play in the church. Your sincere brother, your sincere sister is trying to talk to you and trying to help you in the Lord and trying to get you to develop in the Lord. And you can't take them seriously. All y'all phony. All y'all jokers phony. Your real brother, your real sister trying to help you. And, and oh, y'all had service today. How I know because I was the same way. My wife up here going to church, praying for me, crying out to God for me. And I'm too silly to know this woman is sincere. I'm too silly to know my parents really want me before the Lord. I'm thinking my parents just crazy and this, that, and the other. But they were really crying out for me, Lord, get, get this boy back where you're supposed to be. But I'm cynical. I can't receive from the Lord what the Lord wants to do in my life. I can't get built up in my most holy faith because I've become a cynic. Lord, have mercy. Lord, have mercy. So, so you get to a place where you can't receive. You can't get your thoughts together. You can't get your mind together. And you're not able to receive what the Lord is trying to plant inside of your life. Lord, have mercy. But I want to tell you that we, we, we got to learn to turn this thing around and get back to a place of, of, of balance. I had another thought, but I, I'm going to go here. The fact of the matter is we forget when we get cynical that we're not doing this with a romantic mindset no more. When you're cynical, you can't see the people who are really sincere. But my worship is not in romanticism. My worship now is in realism. My, my praise now is not in romanticism. My praise now is in realism, okay? I'm not worshiping because I think my life is going to be roses, I'm not praising God because I think everything is going to be wonderful and fine. That's not why I'm doing it now. I'm doing what I'm doing now out of experience. I'm worshiping because I know where my help come from. I'm praising because I know where my help come from. I am a, a person now. I'm not romantic about this walk. I don't think that everything I just put before the Lord, the Lord just going to magically do everything. and I'm going to be happy about everything. I am now at a place where I know that God can either deliver me out of the fire or God can deliver me through the fire. I've matured in my walk now. 
okay? I've matured in my walk now. Some things the Lord saved me from, but some things the Lord take me through. But either way, I still give him the glory. I still give him the praise. But when you cynical, you think like that, that verse. What happened to the wise man? The same thing as a fool. So what am I being wise for? What am I going to church for? What am I praying for? Honey, it ain't because I think everything will be nice for me. It's because I know who's carrying me. Good God in heaven. Somebody put in the comments, I grew up. I grew up. Lord have mercy. All right. So I'm at the end of what I got to say now. My wife is calling me. I know she's fine, but she called me and she's like, where are you at, man? So here, here is the end of what I have to say. When Solomon was saying vanity of vanities, and he was saying, how does the poor man die like the rich man? How does the wise man die like the fool? Uh, all is vanity. Why am I amassing this labor? Why am I learning all this wisdom? When he said vanity on vanity, it was a word play. I'm going to show you the word play. Look, in the Hebrew, look at the word vanity, the highlighted words, vanity of vanities, all vanity. You see it's the word habel. It's a word play, and I'm going to show it to you. That's uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Now, let's go to Genesis chapter 4. When Adam and Eve had a son, after Cain, they named him what? Habel. Look at the highlighted words. Habel. In other words, when Solomon was saying, vanity of vanities, all is vanity, he was saying, Abel, Abel, all is Abel. What is the significance of Abel? The significance of Abel is when he was slayed and dead, his blood still cried out from the ground. Lord, have mercy. What Solomon was doing, like I told you at the beginning, he was playing chess when everybody else was playing checkers. Solomon was trying to let you know that why would a wise man get wisdom even though he's going to die at some point like a fool? Why would someone amass wealth and do the right thing in righteousness in life to go forward when he's going to have the same death in this life and he's going to have trials in this life? Why would he still hold on to God? And he said, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. He said, fear God, keep his commandments. It's the whole duty of man. Why would he get to that conclusion at the end that you should still serve the Lord, whether you up, whether you down, whether you have, whether you lose, whether you're rich, whether you're poor? Why would he say still serve the Lord? He said the reason why you should do it is because of Abel. Because when you go through trials and you feel like it is spilt to the ground, when you feel like your efforts are spilt to the ground, when you feel like your worship is spilt to the ground, when you feel like your prayers have spilt to the ground, what he's saying to you is remember Abel. Remember that everything you think is wasted is not wasted in the eyes of God. For the Bible says that all things 
work together for the good who love the Lord, the called according to his purpose. You might say, I went to church for nothing, but I want to tell you, it's crying out from the ground. You might say that you've been singing for nothing, but I want you to know it's crying out from the ground. You might say that I was helping for nothing, but God is saying it is crying out from the ground. He don't lose nothing. He has not forgotten your prayers. He has not forgotten your worship. He has not forgotten your giving. He has not forgotten your supporting. And you went to a church that hurt you and slayed you like Abel. You were around people that hurt you and slayed you like Abel. You had a husband or a wife that hurt you and slayed you like Abel. But God said, it's crying out to me from the ground. It's crying out to me from the ground. Life is a vapor. Abel, it means a breath, a vapor. But the point that Solomon want you to know is that everything you do for God is still crying out to him. God see your sacrifice. He see your love. He sees your devotion. And where I've gotten cynical about worship, I've gotten cynical about praising God. I've gotten cynical about going to church. I've gotten cynical about giving. The Lord is saying it's still crying out to me. So I want you to be encouraged that when you feel like you're doing things in vain, that whatever seems like it is spilt to the ground, God still hears it crying out to him. You lift up your heads. You be encouraged. I'm not a romantic about this way. I know everybody ain't my friend. I know everybody not on my side. I know everybody ain't for me. I'm not a romantic about this way no more. But I'm not a cynic about this way no more. There are people out here who really love the Lord. There are people out here who are really trying to do right. There are people out here who really want to be saved. So even though I am not romantic about this life no more, I've put away my romanticism. I'm not no child in this. I know good and well people are just people. But at the same time, I put away my cynicism and I can worship again. I can praise again. I can lift up my hands and glorify God again. And I want you to open up your heart Open up your soul and your mind and allow God to pour back into your life. I know that we've been through a lot of church. I'm at the end of what I got to say. I know we've been through a lot of churching. I know we've been a lot of places. We have dealt with a lot of jokers around us. I know that. But it's time for everybody to say, Lord, give me one more round. Set my soul back on fire for you. Help me to do the first works again. And allow God to take away the cynicism of ministry. And he said, follow God as dear children. He wants us to be childlike, but he don't want us to be childish. He said, when I became a man, I put away childish things. I put away the romanticism, but I follow him as a dear child. So once again, thank you for joining me on the unction. Please like. Please share, please subscribe, please share us on other uh, social media outlets. Once again, if anyone would like to seed into this word, if anyone would like to seed into this ministry, we are grateful for it. We, we still have a log of everyone 
once again, we're still putting together our conference materials. Some might be able to make it, some might not, but we definitely want to record it. We want to send it. It's not going to be for everybody. It's going to be some private links because there's some things that I could share that could blow up ministries overnight. There are things that you might be able to do that I cannot do because I am I am a person, I walk a tight line. But you can do things more liberally as you're led, and there are some things I'm going to share, and it's going to bless a lot of people. So once again, if you would like to be a blessing to the unction, thank you so much. Um, but other than that, I just want to say lift up your heads. Um, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I know we've been hit a lot. I know we've been hit a lot. But saints, we're going to make it. My brothers, my sisters, we're going to make it. I love you. God bless you. God keep you. Heaven smile upon you.